All right, so the Bengals 0-2 for the second straight season. This one feels different, though, and it's obvious why. Joe Burrow restraining his calf, questionable to play in their Week 3 matchup against the L.A. Rams, who look pretty good right now. I mean, they have Aaron Donald, uh, Puka Nakua, one of the great new receivers who's filling in for the injured Cooper Cup and has been fantasy number two receiver through the first two weeks. Um, did I mention Aaron Donald? Uh, did I mention that Matthew Stafford looks to be his Super Bowl form and last year was definitely a fluke where he was just hurt? So you got to watch out for the Rams, A. Luckily, you get that extra day of rest to where it's on Monday. But, I mean, the panic meter was at a one after the Bengals lost to the Browns. After their loss to the Ravens and maybe looking at Jake Browning playing this Monday night football game. And when you factor in that only six teams in NFL history have ever made the playoffs after starting off 0-3, What's your level of panic right now, man? I'm I'm kind of terrified. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm absolutely panicking. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, starting 0 and 2. I know we did it last year. We didn't start 0 and 2 against the division. So I mean, that's basically you know double the games there. Starting 0 and 2 versus our own division. So the AFC North, we're already what two games back from the Ravens. At least um, the Steelers ended up winning last night. So we're still one game back from the Browns and uh, Steelers at this point, but I'm, I'm terrified because Burrow, it, it looks like this calf thing is going to be, even if he plays on Monday, it, he looks, he looks like a shittier Andy Dalton for the last, like I was having like PTSD. I'm like, am I watching Andy Dalton today? Like what, what's going on out here? Um, so, and if we got to suit up Browning, God bless him. But I mean, has he, what I think you mentioned, he's got like one career pass in his entire NFL career. So I'm not necessarily, um, you know, thinking great things are going to happen if we bring him out on Monday night versus Stafford. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm hoping that this isn't like the 2008 Cincinnati Bengals after some years of being really good. They go with Ryan Fitzmagic. There was nothing magical about that season. The Bengals went four, 11 and one. Uh, we even saw some Jordan Palmer. Burrow struggling to throw the ball. Could he give Joe Mixon the football? He's he's carried it 13 times through his first two games. And, and how devastating would it be if the Bengals went into October 0-4 and, and you're talking about season's probably over, especially if it's Jake Browning for an extended amount of time. I mean, you look forward to an entire season, an entire offseason of smack-talking Chiefs fans and uh, talking about getting back to the Super Bowl. And this thing could be over before it started if that calf from Joe Burrow is seriously injured because Jake Browning, love the guy. Washington Huskies, stand up. He ain't the answer. No, he certainly isn't. If, if Joe Burrow isn't Superman, this team isn't really going anywhere. Um, and he's looked anything but. He, he's looked like, and it's because he's injured and it's because he didn't have a, a preseason, but he has just looked bad. Obviously, this week was better than week one. Like if he threw a spiral this week, it was going to look better than week one. So, I mean, silver lining to your point, Joe Mixon actually looks like he's got a little burst um, and they're going to have to feed him more because clearly our passing game doesn't look like what it should. Um, T Higgins looked great. Um, on the other side, it almost looked like Jamar Chase was about to kind of quit on the team at, at certain points. I was at Paycor with the people and he looked like he was he was dogging it on a couple of the plays because he wasn't getting the rock as much as he wanted. And I know he, he had that one where he should have caught for a touchdown, 
But last thing we need is him getting frustrated and kind of shitting on the season as well, which I don't think he'll do, but you could see it. It was pretty obvious um, out there when he was getting pissed off. So you had the binoculars on. You were in Paycor. It's so weird to call it Paycor. I mean, it's Paul Brown Stadium. It'll always be in Paul Brown Stadium. I've never been in Paycor. It's PBS. Um, you were there. You had the binoculars on, ISOing on Jamar Chase. Did you happen to potentially see the the fight that is making its rounds on social media where someone stood up and headbutted a dude? The old classic drunk man headbutt. That was, I mean, I wasn't personally there. I like to lie to the, the people and say that I was sitting right there and witnessed it. I did see the video, though. Um, that guy's an assassin. He was cuffed. He was cuffed on the floor and then got up and kind of acted like he was too fucked up to, like, concentrate and then just absolutely rocked that guy. Um, knocked him out, like, cold, too, while he was handcuffed. I mean, that's some Jason Bourne type type stuff. We could have used him out there. It, they should have taken the cuffs off, thrown him down on the D-line, and maybe got a sack on Lamar Jackson. And maybe we wouldn't be sitting here talking 0-2 today. But I teased this on the last show. I mentioned to you, Houdin, that I was going to go camping for the first time since I was about six years old. And I went into it with an open mind. You said that camping had been canceled before we even you know, took off for this trip. I, I came in with an open mind. First of all, it's in West Virginia. And I'm a, I'm a native son of West Virginia. The, the family... Grew up in the mountains, Huntington, West Virginia. All the people out there that know Huntington, shout out Frost Top with the spinning root beer. Shout out OJ Mayo and Patrick Patterson for the Huntington Highlanders. So anyways, went camping, West Virginia, and it brought back some bad memories because I've told you the story of how when I was a, a young man in high school, I think I was, let's say senior, because I'd probably given up on my schoolwork at that point. My mom took me to a wedding in West Virginia, and on the way, she said, hey, you got a test on Monday? Pull out your books, start studying. I told her that I didn't have my books and that I couldn't study, so she said, you're not going to this wedding. I didn't want to go to the wedding in the first place. I said, good, and she said, and this is BlackBerry time. This is pre-iPhone where it would have been fun. All I had to my name was the, the BBM, the BlackBerry Messenger. Great stuff, by the way. Bring it back, and she drops me off at a Shoney's. This is well before inflation. She gave me $20 and she said, I'll see you tonight. Now, mind you, she's on her way to a wedding that starts at like six o'clock. This was probably 4 p.m. Um, so I'm at the Shoney's. I eat lunch there, an early dinner at 4 p.m. I ate another meal at like 8 p.m. They had no idea what to charge me. They're like, are, are you ever going to leave? I'm like, I'll be back. Of, I'll, I'll leave here eventually. She ended up coming back at 10. So I spent six hours at a Shoney's. That's a West Virginia memory. Another one, I went up there for the Oklahoma State game when I think Will Greer was quarterbacking the Mountaineers. And a buddy, Bubba, and I ended up getting tear gassed. Only time in my life I got tear gassed. Morgantown, West Virginia. So anyways, we go to West Virginia. And night one, we're sleeping in a log cabin. First of all, I forgot my pillow. That's a big deal. Um, sleeping in this log cabin. No pillow. Nothing. And I mean, why would you, you know, usually you're going on bachelor parties. You're not worried about bringing a pillow. I forgot one. So I'm sleeping on this Camp Ernst YMCA like bed. that's just a, a shitty twin size mattress and nothing else. No sheets, nothing. My brother started snoring like he was literally dying in his sleep. He sounded horrible. He should probably get his septum checked out. And it's about, you know, two o'clock in the morning when everyone decides to call it a night after I'd already ran the sand volleyball court. Um, and ran the cornhole boards that week. And I think I won every single game. Probably. You say Houdini, you say Chuck, not an athlete. I, I, I 
I digress. I say I am an athlete. Anyways, he's snoring. No one can go to sleep. I decide to pull out the speaker and turned on some crashing waves noises. So it's, it's the mixture between the snoring and the crashing waves. And I, I probably got about 20 minutes of sleep that night. Like seriously, it was awful. Next morning, we wake up at 7.30, we get breakfast. We're hitting the, uh, the whitewater rafting. You ever whitewater rafted before? I, I have. It's been a while, though. I can't imagine that it went well for you. You probably did some like class two or threes, though, if it's been a while. It was probably with the fan. It was probably with Tim, the farmer, and you guys took it low key. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't anything. Uh, you know, I, I was probably like under 15 years old when I hopped on one of these whitewater raftings. So we did class five rapids, which are pretty Ooh. dangerous. I mean, it could take your life. So we're going down the first rapid and it's called Gully Fest. And it's all these people from West Virginia and Maryland and whatever states border West Virginia. And they all park up on these rocks and they just have whistles and, and blow horns and they're drinking. And I'm talking, it's like Lord of the Fly shit. There's like 300 people on these rocks. They're all river people. And they're just cheering. They're, they're hoping people wipe out going down these rapids. And so we go down and our instructor, Horse, who's been doing this for like 25 years. He told us to call him horse. He goes, fellas, you need to paddle through these rapids and do exactly what I say, because if not, we may tip and you may go in these rapids. And since this is a class five rapid, I can't guarantee you that you'll get back on this boat alive. And I'm just like, Jesus, dude. He's like, you guys signed the waiver. This is just how it is. We never fell off, but the group in front of us fell off and they were getting sucked under. And one of them actually got sucked underneath the boat and said he was under there for about 15 seconds and his life flashed before his eyes. Anyways, I have battle wounds. So anyways, we do that. We have a nice night camping. Um, everything about this experience, except for the, the sleeping portion, was wonderful. I, I love camping. I, I will not cancel camping until the second night of sleeping comes. The adrenaline has ran out. I've gotten 20 minutes of sleep over the last 40 hours or so. We're sleeping in these tents on basically wooden skids that they put like water and Pepsi on. Like literally that's what this tent's sitting on and it starts pouring down rain. I'm talking monsoon. I didn't sleep one minute. I was soaked. It was terrible. I mean, hold on. So you had, it, it wasn't like a cabin. It was literally just straight tents. My brother. Yeah. Who's the bachelor. So we had to listen to him. He legit wanted to do tents out in the woods and it was a camping trip. So there was a village of like 200 people sleeping in these tents and I'm sitting there it's three, four o'clock in the morning. I had to pee really bad. And I knew that if I opened up this, this little door to the tent, if I opened up the flap, water was coming in and it was over for us. I said, guys, can I pee in this mug? And they said, no, there was four people in this six person tent. They said, no, you're not peeing inside this tent, dude. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to open it and it's going to ruin our night. They said, okay. They called my bluff. I opened up the tent. Water came crashing and we were sleeping in a puddle. It was, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. That's why you do what I told you to do. You do all the day shit, and then you go to a fucking Hampton Inn like an adult, and you sleep there, and then you can come back to a little campground. But, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if Gus listens to the program, but I might need to interview him and see what was going on in his head. To pick camping for the back, in like a lit, not just like going to Hawking Hills in a nice cabin, to pick it literally on wooden crates in a legit tent with like five guys in there and then you know doing whitewater rafting with the fucking guy named horse the next morning at eight in the morning or whatever after you've been drinking all day i mean that is some i don't think he really likes you guys is really what it is he's like i'm gonna invite the people that i hate the most and ruin their lives and take them fucking hunt or 
I just said hunting. I guess you guys probably were. You probably didn't have any food. Um, but going camping in West Virginia, wild, wild. I'm glad you made it out a lot. Well, that's the thing is the the trip itself was actually it was called the Deluxe Overnight Gully Trip down the Upper Gully in West Virginia, which is an awesome river, and the scenes were beautiful. And 90 percent of the trip was amazing. I mean, they had private chefs there that made steaks for us and and salads, and they had two kegs, Miller Light and um, Miller Light, one of the local beers. They had cooler full of PBRs. They had cornhole. They, I mean, it was, it was incredible stuff. You could go swimming in these rapids while we're at this campsite. It's like camp again. It's amazing, but it's just the nighttime that, that makes it canceled for me. It's so uncomfortable. And this was out in the middle of nowhere. We're talking deep in the West Virginia mountains, Houdini. There was no, there was no holiday end within probably a 45 minute drive. I mean, we're trapped out there. We are trapped. It was uh, tough. And then. When it rains, it pours, Houdini. I wake up the next morning, finally get service after I've been off the grid for 24 hours, and it feels like an entire week because it's the longest I think I've ever been off the grid. And I get two texts. First one is a picture from my wife, Kylan, that says, you've been summoned for jury duty. Oh, no. In California, mind you, I live in Chicago, and I'm collecting the California unemployment, looking for work in you know, pretty much all across the country. And so we're thinking they're pulling a fast one on me. Like this guy doesn't actually live in California. He gave us the Chicago address first. Let's summon him for jury duty when he doesn't even live in California anymore. And is no longer going to have his wife's no longer going to have this Airbnb on October 8th. Let's bring him in for jury duty. So that's where I stand right now. I mean, painful, man. You got summoned to jury duty the day you got back, huh? Then I checked the ESPN app. Cincinnati Bearcats. First time since 2005, they lose to the Miami Redhawks. There are a bunch of Redhawks in the car. We had talked about on our last show. I mean, we got to publicly apologize, people. Houdini and I, first of all, I came at the, the bricks of Miami, said there are no bricks of Athens. Then I went at their prized possession. I said the Bagel Deli stinks. They have a Bagel Deli in Athens. They have a Bagel Deli everywhere. It's just putting chips on a turkey sandwich and calling it gourmet food. It stinks. And the uh, the crunch and munch gods came down and they said, we're going to screw with Chuck. He's going to he's going to wake up. He's going to be soaking wet. He's going to have he's not even going to wake up because he didn't go to sleep. He's going to check his phone. Uh, he's going to have jury duty. And after talking all this crap with Houdini on the last Chatterbox Bearcats show, this is what's going to happen. So Bearcats lose. Um, we had been talking about Scott Satterfield, how he's one hot piece of ass. Who needs Luke Fickle? Has the Cats rolling? They beat Pittsburgh and look pretty good. Maybe this is a team that can win nine games, go bowling, hang with Oklahoma. And I just texted you and said, what was that? You just say, season's over. Uh, your thoughts. Did you get to watch a lot of that game while I was camping and, and only got to see the highlights? So I'm actually probably close to the same boat as you. I um, was at a charity um, shout out Chair Force One, Benny Cafaro, Ben Rolfus, raising money. Um, essentially, Google Chair Force One Foundation if you want to donate. It's for um, people with disabilities. It's for um, basically mobility with vans. So they have the you know the the ramps to the vans, the whole nine. It's pretty cool stuff, and you kind of actually know where the money's going. So I was there doing my duty in in raising charity funds. Right, thankfully, honestly, so I was watching most of it on GameCast on ESPN. And I thought it was like a glitch because I was like, there's no, there's no fucking way. 
they scored almost immediately. Um, so then I live bet. You see a couple of times, got myself into that hole. And then I'm checking at the end. I see it goes into overtime. And then it says final OT. And it just says they tied. So it has the Cats listed at 2-0-1. Oh, and one. And Miami like one one and one or whatever it was. So I go, how the I go, how the hell did they? And I'm looking around. I'm like, do they change rule? Can you tie in college somehow after like six overtimes? Turns out it's just a lie. They lost. It, it's over. So I lost whatever. I'm not going to repeat. It was like 200 bucks as far as what I bet on it. No unit shaming. Um, yeah. So it was uh it, it was a tough scene and um you can't lose to Miami. You just can't do it. The only way that we could somehow rally the troops save this season is if we beat Oklahoma on Saturday and I know that that's probably I take credit for that too we were overlooking the Red Hawks Blaine Gabbert's fucking brother did some serious damage to us okay I mean that's what happens on the last show you literally came out and said I'm I'm getting producer Eric Teffer to snip off this soundbite you think we're considering Miami of Ohio and football a rivalry no no, we're not because we're at another we're at another level as a program right now. You came out and said this isn't even a rivalry anymore, and then you alluded to the fact that you potentially jinxed it. And what do you know? We actually jinxed it. First time since 2005, Miami takes down Cincinnati. It comes with with Dana Beers in the crowd. It was electric. Everyone's in the black shirts. It's it's nip at night for the first time in a long time. Like how in the hell? And then to make matters worse. Pittsburgh looks anemic in their game against West Virginia, who's not even good. We were we were singing Scott Satterfield's praise on the last show, and now we're sitting here saying, oh, no. Did we potentially make the wrong hire? How do you feel about Scott after, I mean, hell, no coach had lost to Miami since, since freaking Bush was in office and since D'Antonio was coaching. And Scott Satterfield in his first go-around at home in front of a sellout oh. crowd can't do it. I'm a little panicked. Um, the the line in Oklahoma went from plus nine and a half to plus fourteen and a half overnight. So you could get Cincinnati with two touchdowns in the hook. I'm staying the hell away. I have no idea what to expect from this team. Here's the thing about you, Houdini, and the people need to know this: you've never bet against the Cats, and honestly, I don't think you ever stay away from the Cats. You are one of the people in our group, me, that nonstop throws down a chunk of coin on the Cats, and usually the times where you don't throw money on the cats are the times that they cover and when you do throw down on them are usually the times that they lose i mean i feel like you've had some you've had a tough relationship when it comes to to betting with the bearcats over the years football or basketball that's a very astute point from you chuck i i didn't realize that but yes um i think my overall somehow i am like probably lifetime uc betting like 40 and 199 like I have a absurd losing percentage. It, it's almost, it, it's like uncanny. Like if I do not bet on them, they will absolutely cover. They'll dominate. And then once I do bet on them, we'll lose to fucking Colgate. That's what we do. I mean, it, it's true. Of course I bet on that one. I did bet on Pittsburgh against the Pittsburgh uh, game too. So we did win that one. So, so far this year, we're one and one. All right, we'll take it. I didn't, I didn't touch uh, the EKU game, um, but you're right. I can't. <laughs> I cannot physically, I know you're not supposed to bet with your heart. I cannot physically take the other side of these cats games. I, I I say I'm going to, and then I watch like one play and I'm like, this team's going to win a national title, aren't they? And I'm going to be the one on the sidelines. Can't have it. If we beat Oklahoma, I'm back on us winning the big 12. Promise that. 
Okay. So let's hope that happens. But as long as we're moving in the right direction, Saturday was a, a step back to say the least about 16 years of a step back. So hopefully we get it back on track, but no, I'm not, I'm not freaking out and, and, you know, calling for, for Satterfield. It's that time of the show back by popular demand. People have said in the comments that they're leaving on these five-star reviews. We love the MySpace top five. It's innovative. Used to have the innovation station. This is a much better segment than that. We love hearing the lists. What do you have today? Chatter podcast. Little drum roll. We have the MySpace top five most despised sports figures. So it can be players. It can be coaches. It can be mascots. It can be broadcasters. It can be anyone, owners, Jerry Jones, anyone that is tied to the sports world. Um, I went first on the video games. You went first on Disney Channel original movies. So I'm back up first. Number five, Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim's just kind of a shed. Um, he's an old man. We had a, a radio bid at 95.7, the game, most punchable faces in sports. I said Beheim. My co-host said, you can't punch an old man. I said, punchable face. I wouldn't tango with the guy. But he is spicy. Like he, um, Syracuse is known as the factory. It produced Dan Horde, Mike Tirico, Sean McDonough. Uh, the list goes on and on of legends that have come out of Syracuse. It's the broadcasting factory. And there are a bunch of like 18 year olds that do these games. And afterwards they ask Jim behind these questions. And he literally will say like, you should be embarrassed. You should change your major. That, that's a horrible question. <laughs> They're usually good questions. He's just very disgruntled as a UC fan. I didn't like him. Um, just Jim behind number five. We'll start it off nice and easy. I don't hate that. Yeah. He's in that, uh, I'm not using this, not taking it off the board right now. He's in that Coach K stratosphere of uh, of kind of attitudes towards student journalists and thinking he's holier than thou. Not a big fan. Uh, my number five, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Urban forgot. Urban doesn't remember anything that happened for some apparent reason, but can remember a play from 14 years ago at Utah, but can't recall anything that happened recently. Um, and he was actually kind of in a good spot. And then he went to Jacksonville started just kicking his literally kicking his kicker. And I think that's when everything went downhill. Um, shout out urban. He's back on like doing the college analyst stuff. Somehow he kind of just slipped through the cracks and just urban his way back into it. He'll probably get a job in college here, but urban Meyer, just not a, if you're an Ohio state diehard, you love urban, but I think most of the country is now like on the, I hate urban train. A uh, number four, we are going to go with, Ben Roethlisberger. I think it's an easy one. Who likes Ben Roethlisberger? Even Miami Redhawks, as we mentioned earlier, do not like this guy because most Miami Redhawks either like the Browns or like this anyone but the Steelers. So Ben Roethlisberger, a thorn in the Bengals side. You could not tackle him. Literally, he was impossible to sack until, until he was about 40 years old. Through the first 15 years of his career, you could not bring him down. He was clutch. He would always lead the Steelers on, on, on drives. He had the whole, you know, issue with the motorcycle and, and had just a bunch of issues that, you know what they are. I'm not going to bring them up on the show. It's a PG show, but Ben Roethlisberger, kind of a tool. He's my number four. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Playing to the crowd, playing to the crowd. I like that. Um, my number four is going to be, and you can kind of pick either one here, Barry Bonds. 
Barry Bonds. I like Barry Bonds, man. I, I really? like Bonds. Not, I mean, I don't know if I like him as a human being. I've heard he's kind of an ass to, to media and to just That's people in saying. general. Wasn't a great teammate. But he was um, – people that say Barry Bonds should not be in the Hall of Fame. He should. He should just be an asterisk alley. They should have an alleyway that's that has an asterisk literally above the wall, and it says, come down asterisk alley. And that way, when I take my kids there someday, or my nephews if I don't have children, um, TBD, uh, I can go down there and I can say, kids, here's the greatest baseball player I ever saw. Huge cheater. That's why there's all these asterisks literally everywhere. But Barry Bonds, great player. But I can see how he's he's a villain to you. He just he also talks just like a douche. I don't, I don't know what happened. He took the roids and his voice like shot up or something. He turned into a legit milk dud. Um, and he just always turned apparently was a dick to everybody. That's why I've always hated him. Like, I'm fine. Like, give me Sammy Sosa getting roided up, shaking hands with everybody, you know, being the nice guy. I'm cool with that. But Barry Bonds rubbed me the wrong way. Um, that's why he's uh, number four on my list. Well, you say the nice guy. The issue is with Sammy Sosa is the Cubs haven't welcomed him back. He doesn't do seventh inning stretches, hasn't had his jersey retired, won't go to Cubs conventions. Like, there's a rift. Three, we'll go Yadier Molina. Enough said. I'm not a neck tat guy. He's got neck tats. Uh, hit my guy Brandon Phillips in the face, which that fight ended the career of Jason LaRue. Fun fact. He got stomped on. I think Cueto stomped on LaRue and ended what was a, a great career. For the uh, for the longtime catcher, so Yadier Molina played for forever, was clutch on some really good teams that never really lost. I mean, the Cardinals. This is just the second time they've had a losing record this millennium. I mean, think about that. They've been the kings of consistency. They've been the the Steelers of baseball. And as a Cincinnati fan, Yadier Molina is number three. I got a good chart going on right now. Bayheim. Roethlisberger, Molina. You got the lead right now, especially if we're talking Cincinnati. They're going to be eating this one up. So I'm going to do a crowd favorite here at my number three pick. Tanya Harding. Okay. Tanya Harding, we all know, silver medalist in what? 19, 1991, the lady single. Um, and she also took a baseball bat to her competitor's knee. Um, they have that movie about it. Tanya Harding, probably the first glimpse into just being a straight-up criminal um, as far as an athlete is concerned. She hired that bodyguard who was a huge doofus and um, ended up, yeah, shattering that chick's knee. She should have won the gold that year. Shout-out to whoever that lady was. Uh, but, yeah, Tanya Harding at three. Number two, Tim Tebow. Kind of like that Dabo. Like I, there's nothing wrong with being religious. I mean, you and I, we're Catholic. You know, you get baptized, you get confirmed, and you have your first communion. And by seventh grade, before you can even drive a car, we're Catholics for life. It doesn't matter if we go to church ever again. It's you're in, you're in. We're Catholics for life. Um, but he was just real over the top with it, which is fine. And then you add in the fact that he tries to go out and play baseball when it's just like, dude, give it up. You're on TV right now on SEC Network. You're a good broadcaster. What are you doing trying to play baseball? He hit like 220, got promoted to AAA over a bunch of people that were much better baseball players than him. I mean, if you're not a Florida Gators fan, you either love or hate Tim Tebow, but I would think a lot of people out there despise Tim Tebow more than they like him. But the bad thing is, and the unfair thing is with Tebow, he's probably a really good dude. So Tebow, if you're listening... I respect you as a human being. I despised you 
as an athlete. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, Tebow was a little insufferable with his, yeah, holier than thou. He's, you know, constantly genuflecting in everyone's face, no matter where he is at all times. It's all good stuff than the baseball shit. So he was kind of annoying. Um, but my number two has got to be Aaron Hernandez. Um, you know, the double murder Suey. Is it going to play well as far as the as far as the public crowd? So Aaron Hernandez, real tight, neck and neck with Tim Tebow. Yeah, that's uh, I I would think that Tim Tebow is probably a little more liked than Aaron Hernandez as he should you know. be at this stage in life. So you probably picked the better one there. <laughs> I was trying to stay away from the OJ Simpsons, the Aaron Hernandez, the obvious picks of why people would not be liked and go with my own personal. I don't like you. Uh, number one. And I thought about this long and hard JP Makura. And if you're a fan of this podcast, that's that listens because you know me from San Francisco or Lexington or whatever market, you may have no idea who the hell JP Makura is. This guy sucked. Let me just tell you that much. The, the, the worst of the worst is a Cincinnati Bearcats fan. He ran his mouth. He literally almost got in a fist fight with Mick Cronin, Mick Cronin. He wouldn't play on my team. He wouldn't play on my team. He was telling me to F off all game. You know who it is. It's the same guy as always. I've never had a kid tell me to F off three times before. And During who, the game and after the game. You know who that? it was. Same guy it always is every game. Did you guys? I've been, uh, 15 years I've been a head coach. Okay. Five years with hugs, two with Coach Patino. I've never seen anything like it. Will you guys talk afterwards or talk again? There's nothing to talk about. Where I come from, there's nothing to talk about. And if he was playing for me, he wouldn't play. He wouldn't play for me. As far as he would never play on my team, I'm going to go back to 2009 and 2010 when I was the head coach. And Lance Stevenson, in front of me, right in front of me, called me the N-word three times and said, F you. So J.P. Makura, who went at Mick Cronin, no thank you. Uh, number one, J.P. JP Mikira was, uh, he'll eat this up though. Somebody clipped this and like tweeted at him. He would eat it up. Um, he's still, what was he in the G League now or is he out in Europe? Who, who gets yeah, it? I wouldn't mind care. going out. And at this point, it's water under the bridge. I'm talking all time, least favorite athletes. Um, at one point in life, you know, I hated him. Now I'd probably go out and get a beer with him. It's the same with Peyton Siva's dad. He was going to be on the on my list. Um, he's honorable mention when they showed him during the big East tournament nonstop. And he was just in his skin tight Jersey. And I'm like, get this, get this guy out of here. Um, but yeah, that's my number one, JP Makura. Uh, my number one, we'll make it kind of a hometown one just since you're playing to the crowd here. I'm going to go Brian Kelly. I know that's going against our own, our own blood here. I'm here with my family. <laughs> yeah. He just started all of a sudden he got that country twang for no apparent reason when he went to LSU. It's a great night to be a tiger. I'm here with my family. It's like, dude, shut up. Like nobody in your PR staff told you that you sound like a complete jackass. And then he had that video uh, with him dancing around with that recruit, just looking. It wasn't even some of the old guys get away with it. Cause it's like, Oh, it's kind of funny. He just looked like an absolute toll. Never really liked his his shtick in general. He just seems I've heard from all accounts kind of a dickhead of a, of a human being. Which, granted, half the football coaches you're going to run into aren't going to be the nicest guys to you. That's they're all a little bit off kilter, right? I've always yeah. said this: you got to be a little slightly fucked up to be 
a football coach and just watch people hit each other for 50 years. And that's what you dedicate your life to. You got to be a little off kilter. But Brian Kelly, he's always pissed me off. I'll throw him at one. How about a little on the train? Are you on the train with the Colorado Buffaloes? Deion Sanders, the former Cincinnati Reds. How can you not love Coach Prime? Um, a man that literally will go out there and just tell it how it is. I saw on a 60 Minutes interview recently where he just told everyone to transfer. And he said, yeah, if I don't think you're good, I shouldn't sugarcoat it. We don't want you here. You won a game last year. Get the hell out of Boulder. Brought in his own guys. Um, I don't know how great they are in the trenches to where they're going to lose some games. Don't get me wrong. But a great story out of the gate, 3-0. and America's team, are you on the train with Coach Prime and the Buffaloes? And if you say no here, you're an absolute loser. I, I just hate to break it to you. Oh, I'm, 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 you already know I'm on the train with with coach prime man you gotta you gotta be kidding me i've always loved guys that are cockier than hell but then can back it up you know you're you're alan iverson's of the world you're Deion sanders i've never quite seen uh somebody that did it as as the athlete and then rolled it into their coaching career quite like this it's um it's impressive i'm trying to think of any other scenario that would actually even compare to it because he he acts just like he acts like another player on the team, the way that his kind of his swagger is, and everyone knows he's the you know he's the coolest guy in the damn stadium every every week, and his players play like that. And you're right, they're as far as kind of their interior um, in the trenches. I don't know if they quite have it. We saw them almost lose to Colorado State, and the fact that what Norvell was talking about the sunglasses and how disrespectful the sunglasses and wearing a hat was or something, and. So then he comes in with a hat and like big ass sunglasses and hands them out to all the media. That's that's prime, baby. And if you don't like it, you are a loser. So, yeah, I'm on the train. Yeah. I mean, there's the Mount Rushmore of biggest losers out there. People that don't like March Madness, uh, people that don't like Coach Prime, Xavier Musketeer fans, someone that picks camping for their bachelor party, sleeping in tents. I mean, that has to be up there. Shout out, Gus. Um, but, yeah, you, you got to be on the train they were so bad last year and he came in and just gave them this swagger if you don't like it you're on the uh, the mount rushmore of biggest losers or you're just like an arizona state fan or any other team from the pac-12 but um Jay if, if you're probably unbiased yeah if you're an ohio state fan you don't like him whatever it may be oh he's too cocky oh i don't like him you're a loser um uh, on the train are you on the train with uh saying you've been hacked after saying something dumb and I bring this up because it's in recent news with uh, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones sending out ludicrous tweets left and right that clearly seem like it's him. And then about three days later, when he snaps out of his bender, you know, when he snaps into uh, a better headspace. I mean, we've all been there. We've all said things we regret. But it's the easiest one in the book right now. You just say, sorry, been hacked. You, you remember Jay Williams did it a few years ago. M.A. Udoka was hired by the Celtics. And he goes, um... What did he say? He said, congrats to M.A. Udoka. Finally, the Celtics have an African-American head coach. And everyone's like, dude, do you not remember Doc Rivers that just won a championship there like a decade ago? And Jay Williams waits about a day and a half, hits up his agent, you know, probably gets his PR team on it and then says, sorry, I've been hacked. Really, dude, you've been hacked and they sent that tweet like you on the train. Yeah, absolutely. That and that was one of my favorite. Yeah, I like that use case of it the most by far. Of just saying something that's inaccurate, and then going, "Nope, that just got hacked again." So I, I apologize. I was hacked. Just not even like an outlandish claim. Just literally being a hundred percent inaccurate. 
honestly, I think I was hacked when I said the Miami game wasn't a rivalry. I was hacked. AI virtually came in and made those takes for me. That's bullshit. Um, but overall, yes, I'm, I'm on the train. And it's so funny because nobody believes it when these guys say they're hacked. Like, they'll say the most outlandish shit that is so clearly about them and about some specific situation that they're in. There was a broadcaster years ago that, that sent out a, a porn link on accident. Now, why, hacked. when you're watching porn, there's an option to, to send out a link to people. Like, hey, Grandma, check this out. Uh, sent out a porn link on his tweet. And then, like, 30 minutes later, it was like, sorry, I've been hacked. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. So tough situation there. Dude, being hacked, though, nowadays, we've been talking about it with the Bitcoin miners. It's actually been a um, significant portion of, of some of these shows, but it's just it's not what it used to be. Back in the day, you'd leave the Facebook up. You'd leave the AIM up because you go to someone's party and be like, where's your computer? And log on to their AIM and you'd leave up an away message that said, like, kicking some rocks. And someone would go on there and, and send, you know, I love Jenny. And you'd be like, ah! I've been yeah. hacked, Jenny. I didn't mean that. You know, they'd change your, uh, they'd change your, not your away message, but your profile. You'd have like a thousand characters and they'd put something in there that was just very damaging. And it would sit there for about five days. You had no idea what was going on. You'd go into those group chats that were the just original ISIS, um, just a, a devastating scene where you just learn that the world was very messed up at a young age. Just some sick human beings out there. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's gotten a little dicey. It, it was fun times back in the day, just a little simple hacking. Now it really can ruin your life. But in these situations, I'm on the train too, because if you say something stupid, you've just been hacked. You've just been hacked. Even oh, wow. with you and the voice, you were hacked. I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because I actually had something similar happen to me. We have these corporate credit cards, um, for work. So I'm sitting there at work the other day and I get this, I get a text and an email and I'm like, I thought it was one of those kind of phishing scams, like confirm this was your activity. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, God, that looks, that looks legit. And I'm looking at it closer and it says, it says a hundred dollar charge to onlyfans.com. And I go, what? I'm like, son of a. So then I'm like, maybe that's still a phishing one. I'm not going to click it. And then, so I call my my card company and they go, Oh yeah, that's, that's a legit charge. And you're telling me you're not familiar with that merchant. And I go, I no, I've only, I've used the corporate card twice, I think for parking. So, and, and obviously this guy thinks I'm lying too, because who's going to admit they accidentally use their corporate card. So I'm in a tough spot right now. And I basically told the lady I've been hacked. I go, I've been hacked. I didn't do this. So now it's going through investigation through the disputes team. I'll keep you guys updated, but pray for me. And um, at the end of the day, I was hacked. Yeah. There are people out there that try to get damaging information from you and then extort you. And it's just, it's, it's, I've heard it all. Be careful on the internet. Don't click the links and get a little more creative with the passwords. They asked me to change it, you know, every six months or whatever, especially with work. And I just have the same variation of like four different passwords. It's getting to the point, though, where I've expanded to like eight passwords. And now I have to reset my password all the time because I'm like, what is my YouTube TV? What is my Fubo password? What is my Dropbox password? We had an issue with Dropbox the other day. I couldn't figure out my password because I change it every day, every six months. It's 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 a tough time to be alive, folks. Stay uh, stay on your toes out there. Stay on your toes. 
That's what they tell you to do. They tell you just to have like a hundred different passwords and reset it every, I spend half of my life resetting passwords. It's literally what I do, especially if the face ID thing connects to your old password and it won't update. There's nothing more frustrating. I've just deleted apps altogether because of that never gotten back on. So um, yeah, stay safe out there. Try not to do it as much as I do, but you can't have an app with all your passwords in it either, right? I mean, that's going to be a, that's a security nightmare. So there's really no answer. I can tell you for a fact that um, every single person is off the train of this one. The every three months or whatever, you get that update on your computer that says, would you like to restart now and update this software? Would you like to remind me? I, I hit remind me in an hour every day i've done it for the last 15 years that eventually my computer's just going to explode it's as simple as clicking the update now and waiting 15 minutes but i'm off the train how about an alien update we did a story on area 51 years ago uh when when it was still queen city chatter i believe uh the people were set to rush area 51 naruto style and i bring this up because aliens aliens have been in the news big time lately um don't go down that algorithm anything Anything other than going down the aliens algorithm. But I saw this one. Jamie Mawson, a Mexican journalist and longtime UFO enthusiast, bought two little mummified, brought, I guess, two little mummified bodies. He may have bought them, too, to Mexico's Congress and claims that they're aliens. Scientists are saying it's a criminal stunt. These are not aliens. I just want your overall thought on aliens. Are they out there? What do they look like? Are you excited to meet them? I actually had a discussion about this not not that long ago. Um, this comes up quite a bit in daily conversation. I you'd have to be an idiot not to think aliens exist, but everybody thinks aliens are so smart. They're like next level intelligence out there, and they're geniuses flying down on these UFOs. I think they're fucking stupid as hell. They're dumb as rocks. They, everyone says they found their UFOs or whatever. They just are crashing. They got saucers all over the place. Now everyone's got pictures of them. If they're so smart, why haven't they just annihilated, wiped out the entire universe? And then it hit me that maybe they are so much smarter than us and they come down. It's like us going to the zoo where we go see like the chimpanzees, like chimpanzees, like shit on themselves. They're like, Oh, let's, let's go down. Uh, let's go down. Watch uh, Jake Broadbeck draw up a defense at St. X. And like, they're like, oh, that'll be fun to see these morons run around and tackle each other. So I don't know. What are your thoughts there? That's my general theory is that they are coming down basically like visiting the zoo would be for humans to see a bunch of morons, you know, do dumb shit. So that, that's kind of my theory, but I, I'm interested on your take. Yeah, I think you say coming down. I think they're, they're coming up. I think they're underwater. I mean, the sea is an interesting place. It's a big wow. place. It's very undiscovered. That's where I think the aliens are coming from. Now, what do they look like? I I don't know. But what I can tell you is this Mexican journalist and and UFO lover, ufologist is literally his title, that brought in these little mummies of aliens. It was literally the same picture that we've seen of aliens since I've been alive, you know, since 1992. I I came into this world thing and aliens were green and had those big heads and tiny little bodies he literally had like a, a clay or a paper mache statue of these aliens that looked exactly like everyone has depicted them for years despite no one actually seeing them this guy was just talk about a failed it magician looked, what a loser it looked like et dude et i would have beat et's ass straight up 
Okay. Like I highly doubt aliens look like a little deformed, like lengthy looking Yoda ass, you know, type of maneuver. There, there's just no way. So maybe you're right. Maybe aliens are more like, uh, some of those creatures you'll see in the ocean. If you ever see, you know, discovery channel where they go into the depths that is like 10 miles deep. Those things look like they are alien-esque type creatures, and they look nothing like E.T., but um, I would agree. This guy literally took the aliens from signs and put paper mache around them and then showed up to Congress and said, these are real aliens. Moron. Yeah. I mean, E.T.'s a loser. You would have beat his ass. I mean, no doubt about it. If a bunch of E.T.'s are coming down from outer space, I think we're good. Like, imagine if your kid, you're like, you're like 40 years old and you go into your, like your 10 year old's bedroom and you open the fucking closet and E.T. is in there. He's like, no, dad, he's my, E.T.'s my friend. I'd be like, I am, what, what the hell are you doing? Get this fucking weird ass alien creature out of my house. E this is no home for E.T. Okay. I'm surprised the, the parents in that, I don't really remember the movie. They didn't freak out on their kid because th this I'm not working my ass off nine to five to come home to some, you know, mutated gigantic hamster looking thing chilling in my closet. It's just not happening. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Because this is the big thing in the world right now. It's this TikTok trend that apparently every dude out there thinks about the Roman Empire every day. I've never thought about the Roman Empire once, literally once. Even when I was in Rome, I didn't really think about the Roman Empire. I saw this, too. I mean, my girlfriend asked me about this, too. How often do you think of the Roman Empire? And I had already saw the question, so I was like, I'll look like a beta male if I don't say. I'll, I think about the Roman Empire 18 times a day. I wake up in the middle of the night and just think about spears and shields in, in Rome 24-7. No. Um, honestly, I literally think about the Roman Empire when the movie um, 300 comes on or Gladiator. That's pretty much it. When I see that guy doing the thumbs up, thumbs down with uh, Russell Crowe, those are pretty much the the only times Troy. I, I think of the Roman Empire. Troy, sure. Anything with, like, yeah, old school, you know, where they're throwing big ass arrows at each other. I'm probably thinking Roman Empire. Other than that, it's, it's essentially zero. Um, I don't know if that makes me a beta, but it is true. I just think a lot of people are lying out there and they want to stick with the trend and they want their TikToks to go viral. So they're lying about how much they think about the Roman Empire. Even when I'm watching 300, I don't think about the Roman Empire. I just watch it and stare into the abyss that is the TV. So, yeah, um, I'm off the train with that one. Dude, Danny, any last word for me? I got absolutely nothing. See ya.